for in Jesus name we have prayed amen welcome to tonight's bible study such a privilege to be sharing God's word with us it's the last bible study in the year 2023 okay thank you January 16th yeah thank you all right so we're going to meet that's where we're going to kick off our spiritual meetings for January for 2024 like I was saying it's going to be a powerful year it's going to be a year of sound doctrine it's going to be a year of um, spiritual equipping the year of discipleship and um, I want you to jump on this train I want you to be prepared God is going to do a mighty work in our midst hallelujah hallelujah so um I'm very sorry I started the meeting late I'm just coming from a meeting from our prayer meeting I had to jump to a meeting and then I had to leave the meeting to be here to do this Bible study so I'm sorry for coming here. so I just have something very brief to share with us tonight I won't um, something I, I just believe I need to teach every year I did this last year um, towards the end of the year 2022 and I have to do it again this year it's just something I believe that I have to do every single year to remind us of what um, Christianity is all about Ephesians chapter 6 <coughs> Ephesians chapter 6 from verse 10 to 18 Ephesians chapter 6 from verse 10 to 18 Holy Spirit help us Ephesians chapter 6 from verse 10 to 18 I'm going to read from here I'm going to be using the HCSB version of the Bible not because it's the best version but because that's the version I have here with me alright you are free to use any version you have at your hand but somebody can help us just post it in the chat section in case somebody wants to follow through with what I'm saying so that they can be um in alignment with what I'm reading. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. It says, Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. Some version like KJV you know, puts it as the wires of the devil. I'm going to be addressing that briefly. Verse 12. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. Verse 13. This is why you must take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day. And having prepared everything to take your stand. 14. Stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist. Righteousness like armor on your chest. And your feet standard with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take the shield of faith. Hallelujah. And with you, and with it you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Verse 17. Take the element of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is God's word. Verse 18. Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer 
and request and stay alert in this with all perseverance and intercession for all saints. May the Lord bless the reading of this of his word. Amen. Oh, what a blessed scripture. So this is Apostle Paul writing to the Ephesian church. And um, from chapter 1 of Ephesians up to chapter 6 verse 10, verse 9, he has been dealing with a lot of doctrinal issues, showing them their position in Christ Jesus, showing them how to walk and behave as believers. Alright? I think next year we will do, just the way we did a study on the book of Romans, we will do a study on the book of Ephesians. I'm going to break it down for you so that you can, you can be able to suck out all the Jews or Jews, Jews, whichever one, alright, in the book of Ephesians. Such a powerful book. One of my favorite books in the Bible. And so in chapter 6, verse 10, Paul, you know, as a wise master builder, finds it very important to tell us that we should allow ourselves to be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Let me pick it from there as, you know, as a word. If you are a believer and you are willing to end well and live for God in this age, one of the greatest things you want to do for yourself is to learn how to draw strength from the Lord. Are you get what I'm saying? Your strength cannot keep you in this day. Your strength cannot. Because the battle, the kind of battle you are facing, your strength is too limited to survive. And so, a believer needs to learn how to tap into the strength of God. And one of the primary ways right, to tap into the strength of God is by humility. Let me explain what I mean by humility. Humility simply means acknowledging that by yourself you do not have strength, but in God you have strength. That is humility. And you know, in case you believe you have strength, the Lord has many ways of showing you by His mercy. Because He loves you, He will just show you that you don't have strength. So that you can humble yourself, right? Acknowledge that outside of God you do not have the requisite strength needed for this, for the battle of this age. And by that understanding, you are able to lean on that. And one of the proofs that you have become humble, please listen to what I'm saying. I want to, I don't have anything I want to say tonight, so I'll, I'll be as slow as possible. You know, if I have so many things, not because I don't have so many things, I just wanted to just say some few things. As just words of instructions and you know, you know, admonishment to us, admonition to us rather. One of the proofs that you have become humble is that you do not joke with prayers. Are you following what I'm saying, friends? Hmm. One of the things that will make you prayerful is acknowledging, is the understanding. That outside of God, you don't have strength. So, a proud man will not pray. A proud man cannot pray. You know why he can't pray? He's full of himself. He's, he, he has so much confidence in his ability. He has so much confidence in his determination. 
to win this war. This battle, this end time battle, he has so much confidence in himself. That's why he will pray. That is why spiritual men, one of the greatest prayers they ever pray, is Lord, show me mercy. Help me, show me mercy. Help me, show me mercy. Well, that's the greatest. When you find a man that has become, you know, that is spiritually mature, that's the kind of prayers they pray. Are you get what I'm saying? All this one, you will go into the secret place and you say, let the, let the heavens be open now. Let the constellations of the atmosphere be joined together so that there can be an excavation. They will not have to say all those things. It's because <laughs> they've not punctured with your strength. By the time they punctured with your strength and you have become humble, when you go to go and pray, you will not be speaking too many grammar. You will be speaking from the depths of your heart. And your prayer will be simple. God help me. Just show me mercy. Alright? Why? Because you have come into the realization that outside of the strength of God, you cannot survive the onslaught of darkness in this age. And so Paul says, Finally, be strengthened by the Lord. Allow yourself. And by his vast, by his vast strength, the strength of our God is vast. And that's why the Lord expects you to look unto Him for help, for strength. That is why we are being told in the scriptures that we should come boldly, right, to the throne of grace. For in, for in that throne of grace, when we approach that throne of grace, we find grace to help in time of need. Do you get what I'm saying? So when you're not visiting the throne of grace on a daily basis, is because you, you, you believe that you are sufficient in yourself. But I'm, I want to pray one simple prayer for you, and I hope you will say amen. And that simple prayer is that God will show you that outside of Him you are weak. In the name of Jesus. You see, when they are begging you to pray, they are still begging you to pray. It's because you have not come into the realization that you are a bag of infirmities. That the entire framework of your entire being is weakness and frailty. That is why we don't boast in ourselves, right? And that's why we trust in the Lord to strengthen us, to aid us. That is why even to pray, self, you need grace to pray. You need the Holy Ghost to help you to pray. That is why we don't, we don't account ourselves as prayer warriors. Even after you have prayed 10 hours, you are still going to go to God and say, Ah, Lord, I can't pray. Are you get what I'm saying? Because, oh, let me leave some things. Alright? So even to pray, the enterprise of prayer, you need to depend on the Holy Ghost to aid you. Because as a man, your framework is not, you can't pray accurately outside of the strength and the grace of the Holy Ghost. So sometimes in the, in the business of prayer, you start by praying so that they can help you to pray. Are you getting what I'm saying? That may sound confusing, but those of you that pray very well, you know what I'm saying. You, you start to pray eh? until you are being helped to pray. That is why we stay long in prayer. It's not because we just want to prove that we are spiritual. 
Because sometimes you have to you have to pray to a point that they will begin to help you to pray. Because prayer is not is not a is not a natural is not a natural thing. That is why it can be comfortable for you to watch movies, alright, for ten hours. But to pray for ten minutes can be a struggle. You are yawning. You just started praying, you are already yawning. But if they play a film now, alright, you are able to watch conveniently. It's not because you are a bad person. It's not even because you don't love the Lord. It's because naturally you can't pray. And so sometimes that's why they, they, they tell us, people, preachers have said it, that the way to learn how to pray is to pray. So you begin to pray. Alright? You begin to speak in tongues, praying. And as you are praying, you are beseeching God to help you to pray. I cannot say more than that. But those of you that really pray, you know what I'm talking about already. Alright? Because sometimes you are praying and then it's just like you eat a gusher. And then to now stop praying becomes a problem. It's because they have helped you to pray. And so when we approach God, it must be with humility. We don't come to God feeling like we have arrived. And so what Paul is saying here is, is a message on its own. He said, be strengthened by the Lord. Allow yourself, because God won't impose his strength on you. You have to come humbly and receive it. Alright? Come humbly and boldly. Boldly doesn't mean proudly. Boldly means you are coming because you know he beckoned on you. Are you get what I'm saying? It's just like if a great man beckons on you, gives you an appointment. What will make you enter this compound is that you have the appointment. Alright? Maybe the man sent you a message. So when you, when you come to the security guys, they say, well, do you have an appointment? You are bold enough to say, yes, I have an appointment. He sent me a message. I have an appointment with this man by 2 p.m. That's what boldness does. Boldness, you know, coming boldly for the throne of grace is because we have been invited to come. And guess what? Our invitation doesn't have time. We can come any day, any time. Are you get what I'm saying? And so we come boldly, yet humbly. Humbly in the sense that we know that if we come full of ourselves, we receive nothing. Do you get what I'm saying? So you must be humble enough. And listen, one of the greatest damage that a believer can do to himself is to believe that he has arrived. Do you get what I'm saying? To believe that he's sufficient in himself to undo the operations of darkness in this age. Hallelujah. So Paul says in verse 10 of chapter 6 of Ephesians, he says, finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Verse 11 now says, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. Against the tactics of the devil. KJV says, against the wiles of the devil. I want to say something from here so we can all see it together. The power of the devil is in his ability to deceive. Are you getting what I'm saying? In other words, the power of the devil is actually deception. 
Deception is the actual power of the enemy. If you are able to read Satan off his deception in your life, you have disarmed him. Are you just what I'm saying? Let me say it again. The power of the devil is in his ability to deceive. Deception is actually the power of the devil. And when we talk about deception, I always say this. Don't think you know what deception is. Just calm down first. Alright? Because we are talking about a being that was able to deceive one third of the angelic host of God. Now, let's think about that for a moment. Angels are smart and intelligent spirits. They are intelligent entities. So, for some certain angels to have been deceived by this being, then we have to conclude that this issue of deception is not a small thing. You get what I'm saying? Praise God. And so, the believer must realize that he is in a warfare against the deception and the tactics of the devil. I want to say something to you. Your greatest, hope you believe what I'm saying. The greatest battle of a believer is not, oh, good, delay is not, all right, generational cause. All right, those ones too, then they, all right, they, they actually exist. And, you know, I've taught you that some weeks back, how to enforce, all right, your realities in, in Christ Jesus and the gift of righteousness, you know, against such operations. Are you get what I'm saying? But you need to also understand that the greatest, the actual warfare of the believer is against the deception and the tactics of the devil. Why in this so? When you read 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, you will find something there. Everybody open to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. Say at me, say, I'm wise. I'm wiser than my enemy. Oh, glory to God. Everybody say after me, say, I'm wise. I'm wiser than the enemy. Glory to Jesus. Look at it. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, chapter 11, verse 3. Sorry. Chapter 11, verse 3. Okay, let's read verse 1 for, con- for the sake of understanding. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. He says, I wish you would put up with a little foolishness from me. Yes, do put up with me, for I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. Because I have promised you in marriage to one husband to present you a pure virgin to Christ. But I fear that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your minds may be seduced from a complete and pure devotion to Christ. Are we all following this scripture I'm reading? So here is Paul again writing to the Corinthian church in the second epistle. And he's saying, guys, look, why I'm doing all of this, talking to you, writing letters to you, preaching the gospel all over again to you, admonishing you, is because I'm, I'm afraid. I don't want the enemy the serpent to deceive you, to beguile you, 
Just the way he deceived him, such that you are removed from your devotion to Christ. Are you getting what I'm saying? So that, that, let me simplify what I'm trying to say. The warfare of the enemy against you is to remove you from your devotion to Christ. It is your devotion to Christ that he is after. He wants, to, he wants to destroy. The battle cry of the enemy is to actually remove you from devotion to Christ. Remove you from fellowship with Christ. And he's going to use every means. Are you getting what I'm saying? Every means. And so Paul says, that's why I'm doing all of this. That's why I'm preaching the gospel to you. Writing letters to you. Ensuring that you are not being deceived. You get to what I'm saying. So the deception of the, of the enemy against believers is to remove them from their devotion to Christ. And that is why Paul, alright, gave that prophecy to Timothy and said, the Spirit speaks expressly that in the last days, Many shall fall away. Many shall fall from the faith. Many will turn away from being devoted to Christ. And why will that happen? It will happen because they are beginning to give heed to seducing spirit and doctrines of devils. They are going to be deceived. And by the reason of the operation of deception that comes from Satan, their devotion to Christ is going to be taken away. Their focus and their gaze is going to be shifted. Are you getting what I'm saying? Your, listen. It is your devotion to Christ that Satan is after. Your pure devotion. Your desire to serve God and Him alone. Your desire to walk with Him. That's what is after. Are you getting what I'm saying, friends? And that is why he's bringing, you know, a lot of tactics, a lot of wires, arranging deception to take the eyes of the believer of Christ. Can you guys get to what I'm saying? I'm, I'm trying to be very slow so you can catch every word. Hallelujah. Deception is not obvious. Deception is never obvious. That is why it is called deception. If deception is obvious, it won't be deception anymore. So deception has to be subtle for it to pass as deception. It's not glaring. It's not something every eye can see. Sometimes deception can be logically correct. In fact, sometimes, most times, Deception will appear as the absolute truth. But when you check it, when you vet those things, when you, when you scrutinize those things, you discover that this is not God. This is the wows. This is the tactics of the devil. This is the subtlety of the enemy. This is the deceitfulness of darkness. Hallelujah. So deception is never obvious. It's not something that your eyes can see. It's not something that your mind can comprehend easily. 
Are you getting what I'm saying? And that is why Paul, in that Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, all right, admonishes us to put on the old armor of God. And so when we are saying we are teaching about stand, all right, stand simply means being able to resist the winds of deception orchestrated by the devil. You are able to resist it. You are able to resist it. You are able to withstand. Hallelujah. Are we getting blessed tonight? Ephesians chapter 6, verse, verse 10. Let's read it again. He says, Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can be able to stand against the tactics of the devil. Then he now says, verse 12, for our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. So Paul is saying that your battle is not against another human being. Your battle is against spiritual forces that are responsible for deception. I want to say something. Just to make this more practical to you. Right? There are some ideologies that are spreading and pervading this age. If you check it under the lens of the spirit, you will know that this thing is not of God. This thing is a deception of darkness. Let me use a classic one. I will keep saying this whether people crucify me or not. I hope you are ready for what I want to say. This is just many out of so many things that I want to say. For example, this thing that makes you believe that, all right, give to God so that He can give to me. If I give God 10,000 naira, He will give me 100,000 naira. I want to tell you, you are falling under a great deception. Of the enemy. There's nothing like that. Please search your scripture. There's nothing like that. There's nothing like that. There's nothing like that. Our giving to God is not transactional. We give to God because we love Him. Because we love Him. Even you, as a human being, say, as a, as a normal human being, if somebody is giving you gifts, Just because they want something in return. You will feel used. You will feel betrayed. You will feel like, why are you, why are you, why are you deceiving me? A guy is giving you something. Some of you, yeah, you will collect some gifts for some guys. Because you know, they are not just giving you those gifts because they love you. They are giving you those gifts because they want your body. So even you as a human being, you, when somebody is giving you something, you want to be sure that this person is not giving me this thing because they want something in return. You want to be sure that giving you gifts because they love you and they want the best for you. That's you as a wicked person. Who, how much more God? There's never a place in the epistles that shows that we give to God so that He can give us something. And I've taught you guys before. He is the one that gives seed to the sower. God blesses you so you can give. He doesn't expect you to give so He can bless you. It doesn't work like that. So when you find yourself giving to God so He can give you something, you have lost your first love. 
that's just many. Are you get what I'm saying? And there's so many deceptions out there that we need by the help of the Holy Ghost to scrutinize them and say, no, this is not God. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. And so Paul says that our battle is not against flesh. We are battling with spirits. We are battling with spirits. And these spirits don't come to you physically. They come to you through ideologies. They come to you through doctrines. They come to you through thought patterns. They come to you through trends. They come to you through idiosyncrasies. And you've got to be very careful. That is why a disciple of Jesus must live upon this earth soberly and vigilantly. You see, those are terms that we must never forget as we grow in this work. We must live soberly. We must live vigilantly. Peter says, why should we do that? Because our enemy, the adversary, like a roaring lion, walketh about looking for whom to devour, looking for whom to capture. Are you getting what I'm saying? So you have to live soberly, vigilantly, because you are battling spirits. You're not battling your fellow brothers. You are battling spirits. Men are not your problem. Your problem are actually spirits. Ancient spirits that know how to teach. They know how to speak. They know how to, how to introduce thought patterns into your heart. In fact, I was telling somebody that, are you aware that a large proportion, a large percentage of your thoughts are not actually your thoughts. It's a spirit speaking to you. You get what I'm saying? It's a spirit speaking to you. And that's why if you're a kind of person, you're not giving to the word of God, you are going to fall prey consistently. A large proportion of your thoughts. Because you see, your mind is a traffic of thoughts, voices of spirits, ministering to you, speaking to you. And not just your thoughts, there is a social media using trends to teach you, to speak to you. You get what I'm saying? There are many people who are in church now. Their spiritual father is whiskey. Because I've taught you before. Anybody that gives you thought patterns, that gives you belief system, is your spiritual father. He's the one fathering you. So, so many people in church, they speak in tongues, but whiskey is the one that gives them. Because, you get, I know what I'm saying, you know, I know it practically. And so, as believers, we need to understand that we are in a battlefront. Are you get what I'm saying? We are in a battlefront. To work with God is warfare. This is spiritual. This is the height of spiritual warfare. The height of spiritual warfare is not that there are some enemies in your workplace gathering against you. Yes, that one is also part of it. You will deal with all those ones. But the highest level of spiritual warfare are the deceptions of Satan to ensure that you are removed from your devotion to Christ. Are you get what I'm saying? Glory to Jesus. Quickly, let's read um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I want to show you something. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 
Second, are we getting blessed now? Second Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. Thank you, our Father. give you praise. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. It says, For though we live in the body, verse 3 to 6. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 6. It says, For though we live in the body, we do not wage war in an unspiritual way. For, it says, since the weapons of our warfare are not worthy, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds, we demolish arguments. And every eye-minded thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, taking every thought captive to obey Christ. And we are ready to punish any disobedience once your obedience has been confirmed. Are we, are we seeing this? So this is Paul saying that our warfare, alright, is against strongholds that his thoughts imaginations, thought patterns, belief systems that are contrary to the knowledge of God. Have you get what I'm saying? And so what he's saying here, alright, as a believer we must take note of this in a personal way and also in an interpersonal way. And I'm going to explain that in this realm. I mean, with this explanation. Personally, as a believer, you have to deal with thoughts in your own heart. You have to control the traffic of thoughts in your mind, you have to lay down imaginations, strongholds, not consistent with the knowledge of God. You have to lay them down. You have to bring them into captivity. The word captivity already connotes that it's going to be a warfare because you only get captives when you have gone to war. Is that not true? I will get what I'm saying. So you have to engage in warfare on a daily basis to capture thoughts, imaginations ideologies that are contrary to the knowledge of God, you want to capture them in your heart, in your life so that every thought is brought into the obedience of Christ. Are you get what I'm saying? And when you have done that, you are also going to be looking out for your brothers. That is where the preaching of the gospel comes in. You are in an environment like your workplace and people are saying different things contrary to the knowledge of God. You as a representative of God in that workplace should be able to stand and say, excuse me sir, excuse me ma'am. This is not in alignment with God. Are you getting what I'm saying? This is not, this is not consistent with the revelation of Christ. Listen, I want to say something. All these things that is making you you know, you just want to be quiet, you don't want people to hate you, you just want to be cool with everybody, you want to just be on the fence, you know, you don't want, to, you don't want them to say that you are against the coco, you just want to be on the fence, be a normal person. I mean, this is a secular, this is a secular um, system, this, this is a class, this, this, this is just a workplace, you just, you just want to be cool. That is the reason why you are also going to be deceived. Because in the realm of this, you can't, you cannot just be on the fence. You cannot just be on the fence. Are we following what I'm saying? You cannot just be on the fence. So, while you are busy bringing your thoughts under subjection, imaginations, and friends, there are so many. I just don't have time to give you examples. I don't want to do many illustrations tonight. 
I will leave us with the word of God so that we can cross-check our lives, cross-examine our lives and begin to make adjustments. Are you getting what I'm saying? Church patterns. Bring them under subjection. You must also be able, after doing that personally, you must also be able to, to engage others and help them to bring into captivity thoughts that are not consistent with the knowledge of God. And that's why I tell people, every believer should be a teacher of God's word. It's not just meant for some people. Every believer, you must be able to stand up for the truth at every point in time, in your workplace, in that school. You must be able to stand for the truth. That's also your apostolic job. You have an apostolic assignment in that secular sphere that you are in. Because you see, many of the unbelievers that we have around now are not scared of pushing their ideologies. They push it through movies. Alright? They are telling all of us now that same-sex marriage is normal. It's human. And many of us are, not, are beginning to not, you know, we're not seeing anything wrong with it anymore. I mean, I mean, they just love them. Alright? We should love them. But many of us cannot boldly stand against that darkness. Because somehow, somewhere, we are beginning to, to like, you know, why? Because the enemy has been suggesting those things to us in our cartoons, in the movies we watch. They are passing it. Passing it as a message. Are you getting what I'm saying? And so our battle is against spiritual forces. And our job is to put under captivity imaginations, thoughts, See, friends, there are many things running through your mind that are not of God. You have to be discerning. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. If you don't learn this thing I'm telling you, you will wake up one day and discover that you are so far from God. You are so far from what you used to be. You know, what makes you think that some people will say, Ah, I remember those days. When I used to be on fire for God, alright? Some people say, ah, I remember those days when I was on campus. Now, the question is, what happened? It didn't just happen in a day, alright? It happened little by little. Subscribing to this thought pattern, subscribing to that value system, subscribing to that ideology, subscribing to that idiosyncrasy, subscribing to that belief system, subscribing to that trend, subscribing to this and that. Little by little, little by little, you have lost your fervency for God. You have lost your devotion for God. You have lost your heart for God. You have become a shadow of what you used to be in Christ Jesus. If you are waiting for the devil to attack you one day physically, you will wait forever because he's already attacking you. You just don't know. You just don't know. You just don't know. He's attacking you every day. You just don't know. That, that thought, that self-advertising thought that you have been nurturing for the past two weeks, you did not know it was Satan attacking you. You just thought it was you dreaming big. <laughs> Me, I've told you before. There any vision that God does not give you. It's not you dreaming big. 
is you actually being a mediocre? Because we need to, we need to, and listen, this is where the, our salvation will come from. Our salvation will come in us being able to rightly define things. Sit down and define by the scripture what is success. Sit down and define by scripture what is prosperity. Sit down and define by scripture what it means to dream big. Sit down and what is why you are just taking dragons from somewhere. You are shooting yourself in the leg. Many of us just read any kind of books. And you think you are going to love Jesus. Even people who are fasting and praying every day, studying the Bible every day, self, there's a struggle in their soul. They have to fall and rise again. I talk about you that you are feeding. Some, some of some believers have gone to read 48 laws of power. Why will you not be a witch and a wizard? Some believers are actually wizards. They don't just know. You have mastered how to, how to manipulate men. And when you ask them, they'll say, no, it's, it's, it's human relationship intelligence. You are a liar. You are a devil. You are a wizard in disguise. What are you doing with such a devilish book? You go and be reading things that are not consistent with God. Feeding on things. Many of us, the mindset we are carrying around that is anti-Christ. Are you getting what I'm saying? We got them from some books. Got them from certain movies. Got them from certain conversations with certain friends. I've been saying this. If you are a, if you are a person that doesn't subscribe to the teachings of Christ, you can't be my friend. Come, don't come and destroy my life. Life where they manage. You won't, you won't destroy him with your ear talk. You can't be friends with everybody. You have got to be careful about the traffic of thoughts. Be careful about what you give your ears to. Be careful about what you feed on. But this is a generation that will choose the way of the Lord. We will choose the wisdom of the Lord. It may not be popular. It may not be acceptable. In fact, I want to assure you of something. Alright? May the Lord help us. If you are truly following Christ, I want to assure you, if you are truly following Christ, ah, the world will rattle you. The world will trouble you. The world will persecute you. I'm talking about people and their systems. I can assure you, you need to understand that the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of Christ are far apart. They can never merge. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Are we getting what I'm saying tonight? Are we following what I'm saying? These are very important things. I want to, I want to, I want to help us see. Many of us need to be careful. Careful about what we give our hearing. Careful about what goes on internally. Careful about what goes on internally. Listen, listen. A believer must be introspective. You must examine yourself. Examine yourself. Examine what you believe. Examine your convictions. And cry out to God. Examine. Examine daily. Many of us, the reason why we are sorrowful now, that is December, is because we didn't achieve some certain things we plan to achieve. If we now even check the things you plan to achieve, if we check, if we check it, two-thirds of those things, God never gave you those, those, those unnecessary things. Like Bill Johnson would say, we suffer many pain 
because we are not, how did he even put it? Let me paraphrase it. He said, we suffer many pain and sorrows because we are not in alignment with God's will. Many of the, many of the, of the unhappiness and sorrows you are feeling now, inadequacies and disadvantages you are feeling in the natural now, it's not because of anything. It's because you have some belief systems that are not consistent with the knowledge of God. He said, I've not married this year. Who told you you must marry this year? Who told you? Who, who gave you? Who, did God tell you that one? The reason why you gave yourself that ambition was because you looked at your circle and it's only you that is remaining on the single WhatsApp group. So he said, ah, this year is my year. No, I'm not against those things. I'm only saying, I'm only saying, let the word of God be the yardstick with which you measure your life. Like Chris Devon will say, people will say, um, uh, my time is going. As if they are the one in charge of time. Now, is it wrong to, to ask God for certain things? No. But while we ask God, we must ask God in patience. Any request you are making from God that is isolated from patience, you are going to be frustrated. Because ultimately, no matter how much you cry to God, God will give you certain things in His own time. There are certain things He won't give you now. And that's on period. If you won't accept that, then be ready to backslide. Ideologies. Doctrines. When I, mean do- when I say doctrines, I'm talking about teachings. They can come through a careless pastor. Alright? There are some teachings that come through movies. Some of you will say, men are wicked. It's not even because they've broken your heart. It's because you watched it in a movie. That's the doctrine they've given you. And you will carry that doctrine. Doctrine. Some of us, our experiences have taught us some things. Somebody will say, I don't like marriage. Why don't you like marriage? It's not even because you've been married before and then your husband used to beat you. You've never been married, but you don't, don't like marriage. Why? Because your parents had a failed marriage or because you see people who had failed marriage. Then Satan used that experience to teach you. Then you say, I don't like marriage. And you will delay yourself unnecessarily with that confession. I'm telling you, that's these are people remain in strongholds. We need to be careful. Some of us will just pick up an ambition and say, God said I should do this. God said I should go and start a church. The reason why you are saying that was because one of your friends started a church and is prospering. Or you are seeing some pastors who have started churches and they are prospering. And they, you need to learn. Listen, if there's anything that you need to learn as a believer, is how to, to scrutinize the thoughts that flow in you. Not everything is God said. In fact, I used to say this to people, alright, that if you're a kind of person that is always quick to say, God said, the Lord said, the Lord said. If you want to say ten things, nine and a half is the Lord said, I know you're a liar. <laughs> the Lord said, the Lord said, the Lord said. Sometimes it's just good to say, I feel like, I think. You know, some people, you know, as, as a, a pastor, some people just come to me See you, see, see human beings. Who, people are funny. They will just come to me and say, Pastor, I want to, I want to, uh, what's it called now? I want to, I want to, how do you say, I want to submit something to you. You want to submit something to me, meaning that you want me to be able to counsel you, to pray with you about it. Then you are coming to me to say, The Lord said I should. Now, the question is, if the Lord has said you should, why are you coming to me? Am I the Lord? Am I greater than the Lord? It just simply means you don't need my contribution. 
You don't need my counsel. They just come in to just play the game of church and protocols. If you actually need to subject something, I mean, about it's not just to a pastor, even to your friends. You got me telling your friend, the Lord said, the Lord said, that's my girlfriend, that's my wife. If it's me, I would say, talk. If the Lord has said, go and do what you want to do. And I found, most often than not, most people that used to say, the Lord said, the Lord said, the Lord said, the Lord didn't tell them anything. So keep that for another day. So you must understand that you are in a battlefield and I mean, you're in a battle front, and your mind is the battlefield. That's the battle arena. Doctrines, teachings, thoughts that are not consistent with the knowledge of God, you know, flowing through your mind on a daily basis. And you need to be able to bring them under subjection to the knowledge of God. So quickly, we want to look at the armor of God. Just, I'll just run through them so we can have an idea of what we are talking about when we say, you know, Stand. Hallelujah. Everybody look at Ephesians chapter 6. Can we all hear me clearly? I hope everybody is still following me tonight. Ephesians chapter 6. Thank you, Jesus. Ephesians chapter 6. Oof. Thank you. Can we host the end? Just reading for one feedback. And I'll just zoom it again. Right? Let me just continue believing that we all can hear me clearly. Ephesians chapter 6 from verse um, from verse 13. He says, this is why, you know, Paul is asking, considering that you are going to face, you know, look at that verse 12, he says, for our battles against, you know, you know, principalities and powers and all of those things. He is now saying now, he is now saying now that considering these things, we must take up the armor of God. So when you consider that you are in a warfare, what should you do? You must take up the full armor of God, not some, not a part. You must take the entire armor of God. Because it is you in you taking up the armor of God that you are able to resist the devil, right? And then you are prepared to take your stand. You can't take your stand without taking up the full armor. You're not ready for battle if you are not armed. It is in you being armed that you are able to stand. Some people are trying to take their stand against the devil without, you know, being fully armed with the full armor of God. So, now let's explore that word, put on the armor of God. When the Bible says put on the armor of God, it simply connotes that it is our responsibility to prepare ourselves for battle. It is our responsibility to take our stand. God won't do it for you. It is your responsibility. That's what put on means. It didn't say, God will put it on for you. You are not a, you know, you will put it on yourself. So that means you need to master the hammer. You need to know how to put it on. Alright? To put on also connotes that the armor, they are at our disposal. They are available unto you. They are not something far-fetched. They are not something you have to go and look for. That's why he didn't say, go and buy the hammer. He didn't say, go and search for the hammer. He didn't say, expect and wait for the armor. What did he say? He said, put on the armor. You put on what you have. So if he says, put on the armor, number one, it means it's your responsibility, not God's responsibility to be fully harmed. Number two, it means that the armor is at your disposal. At your disposal. 
Because he knows that you are in a battle and you need to be fully armed. So you have the weapons of war at your disposal. You have the armor at your disposal. It's not something you have to look for. Rather, it's something that you have to put on. You have to put it on. Put it on would also mean you have to be conscious of it. When Paul says put on, you have to be conscious of it. Putting on Christ, for instance, when he says put on Christ, it, it, it doesn't mean you have to go and wear Christ like a, like a cloak. He's just giving you an idea. You have to be conscious of, it, of, of Christ. You have to be fully overwhelmed by the realities of Christ. You have to cover yourself up with Christ. That Christ becomes your identity. So when he says put on the old armor, he's saying be fully integrated with the armor at your disposal. Be conscious of them. Make use of them. Don't live like, like, a, like a soldier who is not armed. They gave you gun. You know, go shoot. You will die in warfare. They give you helmet. You, you won't wear. Right? Because every armor is to protect you and to help you fight the battle accurately. So let's look at the, the weapons of war one after the other. Are we together? Are we getting blessed tonight? We give you praise, our God. We want to look at the, the weapons of war. Alright? So when we talk about these weapons, we need to know that Paul was using them allegorically. Alright? He's using them as a symbol. Alright? You know, I remember, I don't know if it's, that they're trying to be prophetic. I don't know if it's prophetic thing, but I just found it very, very funny. You know, I saw one clip like that where they were praying against the devil and people brought, they brought swords and cutlass to church. You know, using it to match at the devil. I was just, when I saw the clip, I was just, I saw one woman. Ah, the other woman was swinging the cutlass and was just praying that that cutlass will not, you know, <laughs> slip out of her hand and hurt somebody. That's going to be a real mess. But thank God, I didn't see that happen in the clip anyway, so I assume it never happened. But, but that's not it. That's not it. This weapon of warfare that we see in the scriptures, they are not necessarily, they are not physical at all. Don't forget, you are fighting a spiritual warfare. So if you are fighting a spiritual warfare, Paul can't be asking you to be putting physical things on. So those things are allegories, and there's a reason why he's using them. Are you getting what I'm saying? There's a reason why he's using them. There's a reason why he's using them. And I'll explain why he's using them. So let's take them one after the other. Verse 13, verse 14. He says, stand therefore, verse 14 of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. He says, stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist. KJV says, having your loins guarded with truth. Like a belt. You know what belt does? Belt puts, makes, makes whatever you are wearing, makes it firm. Right? Makes it firm. So what he's saying here is that you must hold on to the truth. You must be firm on the truth. You must not compromise on God's truth. You must not compromise on the truth of God's word that you have received. You must hold tightly the truth of God's word that you have received. How many of us have, have been so careless with God's word that we have begun to shift ground? 
when you find yourself shifting ground, remember that you have to hold on to the truth. You have to get the truth around your lungs, around your waist like a belt. You have to bind your life and your heart with the truth of God's word. There's no room for compromise. You must be willing to tell yourself that even if the world goes this way and it is not the way of the Lord, I will stand with God's word. I will stand with God's truth. You must be that daring. If you are not daring like that, you are not ready for battle. If you are kind of pressing, you know some people, some believers, they will just go to NYC camp. And this, oh God, may God have mercy on us. You just go to three, three weeks of camping. You are compromised on all the truth of the scriptures that you have received. You must be willing. You must be willing to guide your loins with truth like a belt, holding fast to the word of righteousness that you have received. You have been taught time and again. That you have received the gift of righteousness. And now there is no condemnation towards you. But you are refusing to hold on to that truth. And it's morning, God doesn't love me. God is angry with me. Can you see? You are already compromising on the truth. Now, there are many times you will feel like God doesn't love you. There are many times you will feel like God has left you. And he has turned his back against you. But you must learn... To exalt the truth of God's word above your experience, above your feeling. When you exalt the truth of God's word, I tell you, one day, one day, your experience will begin to match up with the truth of God's word. It will happen the other way around. You don't bend the truth of God's word to your experience. Rather, you exalt the word of God. You exalt the truth that you have received in God's word. You exalt it to a point that your experiences your weaknesses, your frailties, your mind will begin to bend to the truth of God's word. Hobbies when you are crying up and down will not help you. Now there's scarcity in Nigeria, there's financial, God forbid, people are already prophesying famine and drought. And there's so many prophecies that next year is going to be a tough one. But for you, it's not going to be tough. Not because you are, you are wiser than anybody, but because God is on your side. So that, that truth of God's word, knowing fully well that God can furnish a temple in the wilderness. When you believe that word, and you uphold that truth, and you are firm on that truth, it will become your experience in 2024. You know, Bishop, you know, and the winners just finished a, a powerful um, convention called Shilu themed flourishing in hard times alright flourishing in hard times that's a prophecy I mean redeemed to flourish in hard times right that's a prophecy that even though there will be hard times because you are the redeemed of the Lord you are going to live above the hard times that's the truth of God's word. You must guide your life. You must guard your loins, the loins of your mind with that truth. 
That's how you, that's how you win the war. No sex until marriage. You're not going to compromise on that world. That means if you're, if you're in a relationship, no matter how much you love the person and their sexual urges, you're not going to shift grounds. No sex until marriage. That's you standing. And God honors those, you know, God honors that kind of art posture. I'm not going to shift grounds. If you have done it, God has forgiven you. Alright? Don't go and enter another extreme now and be feeling condemned. It's not to condemn you. But you can make up your mind now and say, the last time I did it is the last time I'm going to ever do it until I marry. That's you not shifting on That's you not shifting on the truth of God's word. And God honors it. He sees it. He knows you have sexual urges. But he knows that you are willing by strength to keep your vessel until marriage. How do you get what I'm saying? And there's so many things like that. There's no money in your account. There's financial pressure. Will you now go and steal or go and be putting your hand into something that is not good? There are many believers out there. They come to church, pay their tithe, but they are Yahoo boys. There's, no, there's nothing like that. Hallelujah. Second one is, alright, he said, putting on righteousness like armor on your chest. Righteousness. Like armor on your chest. What that simply means is that be daily conscious that you have the gift of righteousness. Fully acknowledge that you have the gift of righteousness. Be thoroughly assured. Let your heart, that's why it's called the breastplate of righteousness. It's on your heart. Let your heart be, let your heart be assured that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The more you are assured of this blessed truth, the more it becomes easy for you to live a righteous lifestyle. I taught you in the last series we had that in spiritual realities, being precedes doing. You have to become before you can do. And when you have the consciousness that you have become, it becomes easy for you to do. So your heart has to be assured. You know, breastplate is always on your heart, it's always on your chest. Alright, that's why I say it's an alert goal. Your heart has to be assured. That in Christ Jesus you are acceptable. You are the beloved of the Lord. Even when you fail, oh, and we all do at one point in time, you are able to say, God, I know I failed, but I know that you can't fail me. That's the words of a righteous man. Me, I know I failed you, but I know you can't fail me. What am I saying? I know that you can't take away this gift of righteousness from me because you have promised to love me eternally and therefore I receive your forgiveness and I'm going to walk in the light of your word. You have, because let me tell you, condemnation will kill many people in this age, though. I can assure you. I can assure you. I can assure you. You know, I told you, I was studying one of Pyagin's books, and he said he discovered that many of the believers who are in asylum, psychiatric hospital, are believers who believe that they have committed an unpardonable sin. And that thought opened the door for devils. That consumed their mind and made them go crazy. Condemnation is the real thing. There are many people who are depressed right now. Without hope. 
But when you understand that you have the gift of righteousness, hope comes alive in you. Hallelujah. Hope comes alive. You wake up each day knowing that God is on your side. I told you, I said, righteousness means that God is on your side. God is with you. He's for you. He's on your side and not against you. That's enough hope and vitality for year 2024. Are you getting what I'm saying? You want to live with that understanding, having your heart assured that, oh my God, God is on my side. What's the next thing? He said, having your feet standard with readiness for the gospel of peace. You must preach the gospel. Let me zoom back. I was saying that you, you have, your heart must be assured. You can't go through the next year doubting if God is on your side or not. Doubting if God loves you or not. Doubting if you are acceptable before God or not. You can't go through next year like that or you'll be consumed though. Take this as a warning. If you have to go and listen to all the series we just did last month, go back and listen. If you have to go, whatever you need to do, alright, to, to refresh your heart concerning the blessed truth that in Christ Jesus you have the beloved of the Lord. Go and do it. Anything you need to do, go and do it. Right? Because righteousness must be as a breastplate, you know, to cover your, to cover your heart. That's why it's called a breast, or, or it's for your, you know, breastplate is for the chest, to cover the, the, the front part, the, the heart, the chest, basically. That's what it, it does in the physical. So when Paul says, let righteousness be as a breastplate in your heart, he, he, he's saying, let the consciousness that you are righteous, keep your heart from fear. Keep your heart from condemnation. Let the understanding, the revelation that you have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, let it overwhelm your heart that it is able to keep your heart from condemnation, to keep your heart from fear, to keep your heart from worry. Worrying if God is on your side or not. Worrying if God loves you or not. Worrying if God will forsake you or not. Let your heart be stable. Many of us, our hearts are unstable. Today we know God loves us. Tomorrow we think he doesn't. Don't be like that in 2024. Because I want to tell you the truth is that people are prophesied. 2024 is going to be a hard year. But you know, I just showed you, you know, we have been redeemed to flourish in hard times. We have become the righteousness of God. God can furnish a table for you in the wilderness. But you won't be able to feast when God does it if you are not sure that God loves you. Because you see, the gift of righteousness is the ticket to all the blessings of God. Are we together, my friends? Your heart needs to be needs, needs to be needs to be kept. When you are confident and sure, assured of the blessedness of righteousness, then it be, it will become easy for you to live a life of righteousness. Let me rephrase what I said earlier on. I told you that in the in the realm of the spirit, being precedes doing. You have to become before you can do. You don't do to become. So you can't do righteousness unless you have become righteous. And now that you have become righteous, let your heart be soaked in that reality so that you can begin to do righteousness. Amen. The next thing that Paul tells us is that our feet must be sundered with readiness for the gospel of peace. You must be willing, alright, to preach the gospel. And let me tell you one powerful secret about preaching the gospel is that the more you preach the gospel, the more you are bold and convinced about what you believe. And that explains 
a scenario I was trying to give the other time. You are in a certain, a secular setting, in a workplace, or in the midst of students or certain things, wherever you are, outside of church, because in church all of us will lie to ourselves. And we all do. God is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. But outside, people take up new forms. Almost somebody can tell you, I go to church, but you see, this is what I believe. Now, listen, when you're in a secular environment, you need to be ready to preach the word, to speak the word. Some of us, we don't speak. That's why our convictions are dwindling. You don't talk. For Paul to have put preaching the gospel as a weapon of war, it means it's actually a weapon of war, both for you and for those you are preaching to. You are saving those that you are preaching to. You are also saving yourself. So the more you preach the gospel, the more you are convinced about it. The more you preach, the more you are bold about what you believe. How many of us have tried this before? Before you preached to somebody, you were scared. But by the time you preached once, by the time you said the first thing, said the second thing, suddenly you became bold. That's how it works. And when you preach to somebody once, it becomes easier to preach to him the second time. And then the third time, and then the fourth time. And the more you preach to people, the more you are more convinced about what you believe. The more you are convinced about the truth that you have received. But when you don't preach, it becomes easy for you to be, to, to, to be deceived, to compromise. Hallelujah. So Paul says, our feet. So next year, you must be willing to preach the gospel. You must be willing to preach the gospel. You must be willing, let your feet be stand out, be shouted with the gospel of peace. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. What's the next one? The shield of faith. There will be attacks. Spiritual attacks. Satan is coming for your faith. But you must learn to uphold God's word. You must learn to place your faith in God's word. I don't want to talk too much because I want to begin to round up. Alright? Your confidence in God's word must be stronger than what you are facing. Your confidence in God's word must be stronger than what you are facing. The next one is the helmet of salvation. And that would simply means be conscious that you are saved and secure. Alright, be assured that you are saved and secure. Hallelujah. The next one is the sword of the spirit. And that's the word of God. You need to be, you need to be vast, alright, in the word of God. You know, these are not the days for, for people to be begging to read the Bible. You know, it is the word of God that you used to quench, alright, that you used to destroy the onslaught of darkness. The word of God. A man who is bankrupt of the word of God is going to fall prey to the attacks of the enemy. You need to study the word of God. Feed on the word of God. In 2024, create a system by which you are personally feeding on, on the word of God. Alright, create a system for yourself. Create a system. Some of you need to go and buy new Bibles. That Jekyll Bible you are carrying will not help you understand the word. Go and buy new Bibles. I get what I'm saying. You know, personally, I'm, I'm already, you know, trusting the Lord. I have some books in my mind that I want to study, you know, specific books I want to study, specific studies I want to do in the Bible. Not just because I want to preach for myself. I'm fighting for my own soul. Fighting for my own soul. So the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Hallelujah. So the last one, which is the most important in verse 18, it says, Pray at all times in the Spirit. And this way we're going to end tonight. 
You know what Paul is saying here? The, the, the wisdom of God is that prayer is what unnesses these other weapons of war together. That's why he didn't give, he didn't give any symbol to, to prayer. He just said, you know, having a lot, doing a lot of this, pray at all times in the spirit. Alright? Prayer helps you, you know, let me tell you what prayer does. Alright? Prayer helps you to be effect, to effectively put on the truth. The more you pray, the more you depend on the truth. The reason why many of us are compromising is because we have stopped praying. If you don't pray, you will be a prayer. That's, that's, that's really true. And that's true in a lot of ways. Prayer helps you to, to stand firm on the truth. Prayer helps you to stand firm on the truth. Prayer helps you to stand firm on the truth. The more, the more you are able to wade off the voices of condemnation. I've never gone to the place of prayer and left the place of prayer feeling like God doesn't love me. Every time I go to pray in the spirit, I'm assured of God's love. I'm assured that God has accepted me. I'm assured that God is not angry with me. I'm assured, even if I just made a mistake and I went to meet him to pray. Are you getting what I'm saying? I leave the place of prayer more assured of God's love for me. More confident that I'm able to walk in the path of righteousness because he's the one leading me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. The more you pray, the more you are effective in evangelism and in teaching and the preaching of the gospel. The more you pray, the more you remain in faith. It's hard for you to pray and leave the place of prayer in doubt. If that is happening to you, we need to cross-check your understanding. But every time you pray, for many of us who, who pray a lot, when you are leaving the place of prayer, you are living with more boldness, with more assurance in the promises and in the word of God. The more you pray, the more you are assured of the, the blessedness of salvation. The more you pray, the more, you know, you are effective in the use of the word of God. Both for spiritual warfare, both for you know, other things that you need to use it for. So prayer helps you to be effective in using the other weapons of God. And so in 2024, you're going to live a life of prayer. Are you not going to do that? You're going to live a life of prayer. You are going to understand that you are in a warfare. You are going to prepare yourself to battle against the enemy because you know that there are deceptions all around and you are going to be ready for it. Hallelujah. Can we lift up our hands and just bless the name of the Lord and thank Him because He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Thank Him because He has given you everything you need to live a victorious Christian life and you have no reason to fail. Give Him praise and thanks. Bless His holy name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless his holy name. Thank him. Father, we give you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.